Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast, a Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. And now, Three Witches and a Druid Podcast presents The Bard Dove.
Hello, and welcome back to Three Witches and a Druid, where we sit around the lovely coffee table drinking a lovely boozed up warm cider this time. <laughs> and we are going to talk today about rites of passage. I am Margot. And I am Maeve. Gwen. And I'm Brian. So, Rites of Passage uh, was suggested, and we in the Grove have a couple of Rites of Passage we've discussed, but I don't think it's anything we have sort of organized and done yet, but all through paganism is is a wide variety of various rites, Rites of Passage, ceremonies, initiations, all sorts of stuff. What are some of your guys' experience? I know we've talked about lately a fair bit about sort of croning rituals because I think a few of us have reached that point where we're getting ready to go through that. But I tried to think, I think the only real rite of passage other than my own initiation would be first blood rites that Mm -hmm. I participated in. I think that's probably my experience not my own personal ones but contributing to the, the, the yeah it's funny, kids. it's funny you mentioned the croning because as soon as I told my wife tonight's topic she's like you let them talk about the mother made and crone don't you have an opinion on that <laughs> <laughs> um Yes, I hit croning stage a while back. You know, I think a lot of our cronings have been put on hold from COVID. Well, for sure. Because, you know, you're not having all these big things. I've never actually been to, but I know, like, the baby naming, the baby blessing. That's true. I was all ready to have one. I was all planning it when I was pregnant 20 years ago. And my daughter, you know, will have it and I'll you know, get the Unitarian Church and we'll we'll have a baby blessing. But then when she got to be about the right age, she was in the hospital and this and that and everything just went down the toilet. That never ever happened. We had a baby blessing for Atticus. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, so during our hand fasting wedding, we involved the tree and the baby blessing involved the same tree. That's really nice. I know this is going to sound really tacky, but... I really, really wanted my daughter to wear the family christening dress. <laughs> so I'm like, we've got That's to do something. Does she still fit in it? No, we have a family christening dress. It's beautiful. It's long. It's whatever. Oh, I wore it. You know, we got to have it. You know, family traditions are important. And I remember I, I did officiate a few baby namings, baby welcomings, wickenings, you know, like all sorts of names for them. And it was an interesting blend because I would say these are like first generation pagans. So they have traditions, family traditions that are based on another religion. And so like a christening dress or maybe a specific candle, the one I can think of was a Roman Catholic. The one that comes to my mind was they were previously Roman Catholic. And I don't know a lot of the christening elements in that ceremony, you know, the basics. But there was definitely... They wanted these elements, like a specific kind of candle and and this and that. And so I think the work was, how do you incorporate those traditions of those things that have meaning in a family way, but give them a pagan slant? So maybe they are the elements, you know, when you're the the water. So a christening, you know, the the Hmm. water and that could, and then the candles, the flames. So maybe maybe you're pulling in elemental stuff, maybe you're pulling in all of those kinds of things it was you know sort of a a mental gymnastics to include traditions that are 
important to the family, but also how does this work in a pagan construct, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of your job when you're creating a ritual. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had it all planned. It would have been yeah. beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been beautiful. <laughs> so, I, you know, at first you say, and I know I'm pretty sure you've been to a couple of baby namings, but yes, we, now that I think about we've that. also, rites of passage, we have sadly had memorial and funeral yes. services mm-hmm. for people in our community over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, my own son had a, I've been to First Bloods, but he had a, a, a manhood ceremony. We plan to do that Something for the Grove because we've got one. Too many boys. Too many boys. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to make a really good one up. Yeah, so, and they're all almost, there's three of them are practically the same age, too. Age. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. We, at the time, we had access to a, a camping space that yes. we all enjoyed off the grid, you know, not a paid spot, not a campground sort of thing. It was on a local lake just outside of the city. There was a large island on it. So, part of their their initiatory process of coming into it was we paddled them out there and left them with minimal supplies to spend the night and it was I think it was May which has the you know has the possibility of being a nice evening but it was like the worst rainstorm ever we were on the mainland with tents and tarps and everything and we were huddled and drunk on tipsy on good scotch and they didn't even have matches like we left them they had to start a fire traditional ways they had to do any sort of thing in the rain the wind was horrible they did have a tarp anyway the thing is they lived they had this initiatory experience that was traumatic um there was two of them yeah, yeah, and they still will tell stories about it. Later. I was thinking, I've it's, heard stories, and and uh, your son takes great pride in those stories. Yes, when he tells those when stories. he tells those stories. Yes. So yeah, you know, it's it bad informative made for great, made yeah. great stories is one of those things. I remember on the way there, I said, you know, Kyle's mom, she got him a present for this, so you're not getting a present, Edward, at the end of this. Like, after we go through this and, you know, tomorrow tomorrow morning, you know, pack up and leave after after you guys are done, when we come pick you up and everything, he's going to have this presentation of this lovely present, and you're not going to get anything. I fell down as a parent. I thought being a man was enough, and, you know, really, being a man, get used to it. There's not a lot of presents involved. Yeah. <laughs> you give a lot of presents when you're a man. Um, and I said, but... I feel kind of guilty. Is there anything you'd like? And he says, he says to me, it's a manhood ceremony. And I said, yeah. He says, how about a six pack and a couple of hookers? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no presents. <laughs> but it's funny, like if he... he how old was he, like 14 or something? 15. But <laughs> he's fast, right? Yeah. So I appreciate that. I appreciate quick wins. Six pack wouldn't have been so bad. No, the six packs are not so bad. Yeah, but a couple so of hookers. That, that's your responsibility. Get yourself a girl. <laughs> yeah. Well... I've been at First Bloods. Mm-hmm. I've done a couple of... I've married a couple of... I've been at Pagan Weddings, and I've actually married a couple of people, people who, okay, we're going to go to the, you know, to the judge or whatever quick, but we want to have a pagan ceremony. An actual ceremony. You know, yeah. a pagan, something meaningful for us, will you do it? And I'm like, oh, sure, we'll figure something out. I've done that. I, so you guys keep mentioning First Blood ceremonies, but you haven't. no one's explained what a First Blood ceremony is. It's when a girl is. gets her period. Well, I realize that, but you got to tell oh, for anyone the audience. Who's okay. <laughs> for anyone who's listening, it's when a girl gets her period. 
Right. Which I so badly wish was more celebrated or more celebrated. Yeah, it wasn't just when, when I was, when because I was 11. I was, I was traumatized I was and a, I was made a, fun of. I was a month away from 12 and I yeah. had some girlfriends who already had it. But I do remember my mom saying to me, she said, uh, because you have your period now, you have a huge responsibility to yourself. She says, you are not a woman yet. But she said, you are able to have babies now. You would be able to get pregnant. And you have a huge responsibility to respect yourself and not do that until you are much older. No, it did because because you know we were now they're teaching sex ed in mm-hmm. school in the fourth, third, whatever grade. The sex ed that taught you that if you masturbated the portal will help open up. <laughs> yeah. so, well I also this me. was the seventies. And I I'm, I'm but you know, my mother and I mean some girls were getting their period not realizing they could even get pregnant now, but no my mother my mother was always oh, very I think that open. still happens today. No, my mother was very, very, very open. <coughs> I just yeah, remember when we had careful. that film in school that, you know, they separated the girls. The boys have to leave the room. The boys went to the gym. They had play their basketball. own film. No, they had oh, a film, too. Oh, our boys got to play basketball. We were separated <laughs> and were shown a film. And, yeah, the film was made in the 60s. And I also remember the boys were done first. And all snuck back and could, were peeking in through the window into the classroom. And I remember being so pissed off because now the boys knew all about us, but we had no clue about the boys. Yes. And that <laughs> pissed me at off. Least today they don't do any no, separation. No, yeah, it's the, all It's appropriately together. dated. Well, hold up. You say that. That's how it is in Canada. In the States, I wouldn't be shocked if they're still split up. Yeah. No, I don't know, though. And but, from, from state to state, you're right. My first blood story is you're right. It's the 70s, so, you know, there's a lot of repression, and it's certainly not celebrated. If it's referred yeah. to in any way, it's, it's negative, and it's about the curse. Pain, it's the curse. It's whatever curse. But also, I didn't read a lot of Stephen King, but I had read Carrie. <laughs> and while you guys were 11, I was almost 17. Really? And I was so pissed off that I was not telekinetic. Yeah, let me tell you, I, I have my time in. Where is the flying buckets of blood? I'm ready. And it was it was really disappointing. Well, yeah. I'm 11, and we're pre-peel and stick stage at this point. We're yeah. still with a belt. Yeah. We're, uh, uh, for those of you who are much younger, you go have, Google that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was like uh, stockings, but only with the sanitary pad. Yeah. It was just this. I did not. I was I was late so enough. So in a stick, sense, it was an initiatory stick. experience in and of itself. Like, I can understand men really that being a floating mark maybe getting your driver's license is a i think for all children especially like this not so much now i don't see it as being that way but in the 60s 70s getting your driver's license was a passage into manhood there was or or adulthood whatever there were certain stations where you know maybe you could vote maybe you could buy alcohol there were different things that were designated adulthood but we had a physiological change i mean i here we are many 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 40 years later possibly for, for people you yeah. know that more more than 40 <laughs> years later and you're you know it's burned into your brain yeah what 
yeah, I couldn't remember what my teacher might have name might have been, but you know, those experiences are burned in your brain. It truly oh. was an initiatory experience. So for different reasons, it's I think it's important for boys to have that coming of age ceremony because it kind of does put a line there. But I think a rite of passage for girls puts that physiological change into context. Yeah. They can wrap their head around it. They it can have some meaning greater than mm-hmm. pop and, culture. And if you're lucky, you're surrounded by people who you trust who are there to celebrate you. Yes. And what a great way to step into the next stage of your life. Yes. With all this support of all these wacky women behind you. Uh, and, and having, you know, your mother saying about respecting yourself and yeah. having those these connections of these women that were there for that ceremony that if you didn't feel comfortable to talk to your mother or yes. things are coming up, yep. you have this built-in mm-hmm. multi-generational because people that go to a first blood are anybody over the age of. Yes. So yep. it's many no. generations. My kid doesn't listen to this, so I'll tell it. My kid will never forget because she started her period on grade six graduation day oh. in, her, in her little dress and she had cramps. I said, you know what, honey? Why don't you just take this sanitary napkin put it on just in case because she'd been all cramped and upset and I'm, she's like what is going on and she had this little cream colored dress oh, and, and I said you put that you put that pad on just in case and lo and behold I don't know what my spidey senses were tingling <laughs> and later that day there it was she just listened to this aren't she you glad her. you asked Brian <laughs> <laughs> well, no no it's, I understood what it was but it's for our listeners now you had to suffer for all that <laughs> I wonder how many fast forward there were. <laughs> no, no, I um, I actually, and this is something I don't know how many girls would celebrate with their mothers or whatever. But I think once we get a new, a whole new generation, like when you get into second, third generation paganism, that I think that if teenage girls, even or when you're 20, whenever it might happen, even had a, and I think guys today, it's just a big high five. I think the losing of the virginity ceremony should be a thing. I do too. I think that's I really where you, do. You're comfortable to share that with your yeah. Well, yeah, they come from a health, healthy point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, a lot of girls wouldn't, you know, if they're 16 or whatever the case might be, might not want to tell their moms because their moms might freak out. But if there's enough girls their own age and guys it's a big thing for guys yeah. good lord there's high-fiving and jumping up and down and bragging and all that I just suppose that's their ceremony but guys are under the impression that there's no consequences to their actions <laughs> yeah. until uh yeah pitter patter a little feet and they're like oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's I, I, do, I remember bringing that up with some people and they looked at me and I had 27 hands I said oh well, no, they can have a life with my kid. Frame, there you go. I wouldn't frame up losing virginity. No, because you're not losing game. anything. Yeah. You're yeah. not losing No, anything. that's true. Yeah, I would frame it differently, but yes. And I mean, we've talked about a bunch of different, but this just reminds me really quickly, I'll interject this, that don't feel constricted when you're thinking about rites of passage. That's something else. We determine what things our are of value yeah. on our life arc. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to... Uh, podcast which I can recommend not pagan called what could possibly go right speaking to a native woman from the states and she was mentioning that I believe it is in the Navajo that they have a rite of passage for baby's first laugh so how beautiful is that they mark that and it's a 
family, whatever, and there's a little ceremony for that. Isn't that beautiful? So what do you value? What what stages True, in when your... The, when a baby walks, when the baby does... You know, from a personal standpoint, as far as adulthood goes, I very clearly in my head remember the first major decision I made without discussing it with my mother first. Granted, it did not go over well, (laughs) but I think that was sort of the first time I felt like an adult, I think. When I, How know, did this feel? I'm still waiting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's that like? I very clearly, a clear memory of normally I, we would, I would say, this is what I'm thinking. These are what are the options. What do you think? What's your opinion? You know, discussion. And this time I just thought, no, this is what I'm doing. I've made up my mind. Yeah. Isn't that nifty? And I'm prepared for the consequences. Yes. There's yeah. that adult realization that and yeah. I'm prepared for the consequences. It's a bit that's more better than the millennial concept of becoming an adult where there's food in my fridge. I think both of you were at when my daughter started school at five years old. Do you mm-hmm. remember me mm-hmm. at that? We had a ceremony and people came and everyone made wishes for her in school. Yes. Yeah, and that was a biggie. Because you know they're all they're scared and they're but they're happy and they're this and to have people and it is a huge that. change. It is a huge, huge change, where, change where home is the locus of your support mm-hmm. and attention and importance and you transition into the community yeah. being more important to mm-hmm. you. Yes. My mother actually said to me, she said, Congratulations, you're now not gonna be right all the time anymore. Yes. <laughs> because it could be teacher says. Yeah. <laughs> And then, says, and, then very, right anymore, and then very right soon after that, it's my friends, friends say. <laughs> yeah, the teacher has that few years, and then after that, it's my teacher. <laughs> so outside of, like, family rites of passage, how do we feel about, say, like, group initiations, that sort of thing? Is that something prominent in the pagan community? What kind of group initiation? Oh, uh, I remember when I joined like various covens, initial coven. Oh yes, you have a little welcome to the yeah. coven. Yeah, and covens. I did not, and I think I've discussed this with you before. That I had been invited to join this coven, and I had known a number of the mem- well, all of the members, and worked casually with them in the past. So the Sunday afternoon that we were doing my official initiation into the coven. I walked in the door and there was somebody there I did not know. Mm. And I and they were also being initiated into the coven. And I had a little moment of <gasps> and then I had to stop and realize I love and trust all of these people. I have to love and trust that they know what they're doing. Yeah. And that this is also a safe person. Yeah. But it, it took me a little while to oh, really? yes. I never thought of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did not grow no grail. Would at A all. be there and had never met them before. Really? He'd been around the community for nope. a long time? I, I, God, no that's a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. I had no idea who he was. So that really caught me off guard, but it also taught me something very important yes. about yeah. who I'm you sure choose you to work with. Just for a few yes. minutes. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm kind of old-fashioned this way. If you have a coven, and mean there's open covens, there's closed covens, there's covens that are very secretive that people don't know about. There's this and that. I do think for myself, it is a, a very sacred place and it's also a very private place. Things often come up during, you know, 
magical workings in your coven that, you know, your spouse doesn't know about or, you know, other members of your family don't know about. So the thing is, I'm very, very, myself, very big on the swearing to secrecy. Right. That that's a biggie way when to me that's one like we're welcoming you, we are trusting you with our secrets and with the, the magical breakthroughs, often breakthroughs happen during magical times, and the swearing to secrecy, you know, kind of idea that uh, now some covens aren't like that. Right. But for me our grove is a very easy group. But we do have like a welcoming yeah. ceremony. We have two brand new members over the holidays that will end up come the spring when it's a bit nicer. Oh, we'll end up having a, a welcoming ritual just for that. Yeah, sort of welcoming thing. rituals. Yeah. Going away rituals. People who yeah. are, who have, you know, are leaving or moving away at one time. And then this is a, this is not necessarily the happiest idea of uh, a rite of passage. But at one point when I was in a coven, I was in way back before that coven, mm. I had to leave that coven. And it was very, very important to me to sever my ties magically. So that was sort of another ritual rite of passage. It's like, I have to leave this. I have to leave because you become very, you know, psychically in a way, very spiritually connected. And that was a big thing for me was to let that go. That was a big, possibly one of the biggest rites of passages I ever did was to that break that That makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure. So I don't want to speak about other religions, but my experience of other religions, such as it is, there isn't a ritual for the end of a marriage. But often within pagan traditions, there are rituals, or it's a common thing to have a group or a right <laughs> to sever that. Like you say, you're, you're, you're entwined. You're, you're, you're spiritually, emotionally entwined. And to, to make the, those breaks, right? And I think that's a wonderful thing that the you know, pagan community champions for people. I seem to remember burning my wedding dress in your backyard. I do remember that. <laughs> that was, yeah, we had a leave the past behind, and it was a wedding dress bonfire. Yeah, it was a wedding. I did. Other people were leaving things behind, and I jammed my wedding dress from the backyard. I've definitely heard of that before, and there is a story of a couple. It's, it's not a pagan story, but this couple at some point through their marriage, after two children, he had discovered he had realized he was gay, and they decided to divorce. And instead of just divorcing and being dumb, if they had an unwedding where they had like a big party, and it was the reverse of a wedding. They had a ceremony where they got drunk and ate cake. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good time. If you could, if you yes. could get the couple in the same yeah. room together with those no, no. In, in this case, they were they were still best friends. Yeah. Friends, and that's wonderful yeah. and mature. That's and lovely. Else. Yeah. That's lovely. That wouldn't have happened in my divorce. <laughs> I, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very long time. That's my wedding dress. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. But hopefully that burning that wedding dress and making some of those cuts helps ease that process. It definitely helps. And oftentimes too, and speaking of the, the rites of, you know, the, these different rites of passage, sometimes when, you know, friendships end mm-hmm. or things like that, sometimes, you know, you just can't. And we've all had friendships either run their course, maybe just run their course naturally or maybe abruptly end. I think for those of us who are very involved with our spirituality and maybe we're spiritually connected to the person, I think it is very important to formally in your in your spirituality sometimes. 
Yeah. This is sounding very, very negative. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, it's, 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 it's healing and, and healing yeah. and healthy. And I rites of passages work on both ends. They work on yeah. both ends. Yeah. Now, and this is just something that's been burning in the back of my head because I really there must be a bonfire back there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, don't don't be afraid of the outside of me. If you were in my head, you'd be terrified. But. I've often thought that there are, like, you know, when you have, like, say for a girl, um, you know, I'm speaking specifically about girls, Brian, just for a reason here. You know, you have their baby naming, it's a girl, and then you have their first blood, and then you have their marriage, and then you, you know, and then you get back to a baby naming if if that girl has a child, because I feel that that should happen as well for, I don't feel the whole maiden mother crone, I think there's three phases to each one of those phases. Mm-hmm. I think there's three phases of motherhood. I think there's three phases of cronehood. I think there's three phases of maidenhood because, you, you know, technically a 14-year-old girl, a 12, 11-year-old girl is technically in the mother phase because we can reproduce, but we are still maidens. Yes. So I think that even within that, the three phases of motherhood and even the three phases of cronehood, there should be different ceremonies as well. You know, mm-hmm. like when you first, when you're, you know, you're first at, you know, in your menopause and your period is ended. Well, that's the first phase. Yeah. And then there's the phase when you become a grandmother. Yes. And then maybe that phase when you're coming near the end of your life. Yeah. I think there should be, I'm very big on that sort of thing. I think there should be more recognition of that. Right. As the middle class white male, I, of course, need to give my opinion on this. Okay. But Let us have it. I, I'm, I'm kind of come under the impression over the years from various books and listening to podcasts and stuff that it's the concept of maiden mother crone has been taken away a little bit from the physical and a little bit more into the mental and psychological I agree you don't necessarily have to be a mother to Mm -hmm. be in the mother phase you just have to be caring and communicative and yeah and and wanting to give to the community and where the crone phase maybe just wanting to pass on your knowledge to mm-hmm. maybe whoever wants to listen sort of thing. Yeah. Like we are today. Yeah. <laughs> that, that way sort of that way sort of it it, it gets away from the ge- genetic DNA gender stereotypes and moves more into more accepting and more open. Well they've always been more about oh, yes, the archetypes yeah. than right, anything. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but never is- having gone through the mother crone, I often think of myself like I was a maiden and played that maiden role right up until I was like nearing 50. And then it was like, well, it's way too late for the mother stage. So I guess well, I'm going into crone now. It's funny you say that because I view you very much as, a, as, a, as somebody who took care of the community mm-hmm. for a really long time. That would have been your mother phase. That's so funny. And now you're a crone. You can hear that without that. Without being nauseous. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because I can absorb that as helpful wisdom and knowledge. (laughs) As opposed to, oh my gosh. (laughs) I don't, that's too much responsibility for me. (laughs) I've often, and I'm not being patronizing here, I've often felt bad for... Guys don't have all these phases a woman has. No, uh, not so I, much. I think it should be broken down a bit more. Maybe you don't have a you know, wise sage. A oh, I've heard discussions on like the, maybe the youth and the hunter and the sage yeah, and that yeah. kind of it's, thing. It's not as formalized within yes. paganism. Yeah. But I remember when my father retired, and I don't know how many years ago it was. 
retired early, lucky man. And so I went to a retirement ceremony with him. The family was asked us to speak, and you know, of course, I came. If there's if there's amplification, you know, there's a lineup. Me and my siblings, we all had to have a little speech, and then all the other, you know, his bosses and his coworkers and the people that worked for him. It was it was unending. Anyway, as I'm looking around, and there's few hundred people there and they had a meal and everything it was and all these speeches and stuff and I um was like you know what my mother stayed home and she had part-time jobs and she went back to school got her degree but she was primarily at home she was a teacher but she didn't teach full-time or whatever and I was like but every bit of our family every bit that she did was equally important as to what my father did but there was no point of recognition in a non-pagan culture, yes. right? Yes. For all that accumulated wisdom and all that she put into being a mother. So that transition from mother to Chrome. For my father, and I think people from that era, I don't think the same thing happens. I don't think anymore. This would have been the mid-90s when he retired, I would say. Early 90s. I don't think people put that much effort now into retirement parties for people, you know? I was going to say the next 10 plus years... I don't think you'll ever hear a retired, retired or anyone even retiring. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, I can't afford to. But I think that was in the 20th century. That was the equivalent of a, a male chromatic yeah, transition yeah. from that instead of like the, the hunter role, yes. the outside yeah. support of the family to the next stage. I, I think part of that also may be that. Your father, my father, your guys' fathers, they had the same job for 40 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm sure that's what Brian was insinuating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen anymore. No, it doesn't yeah. happen. My dad started and he was a teacher as well. Mm-hmm. He went his first day teaching and stayed in that school until he retired. Oh. Like, my dad had a few schools, like no, as a principal, then he moved him uh, a few places, but he was in the same board. Same yeah. school yeah. board, right? No. So, yeah. yeah, people don't. Yeah, people don't stay in the same place for forty years. The same, you know, factory or the same office, teacher, same, same yeah. office. It just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, weird. In that time period, my father not so much. He was very family based, but a lot of men derive their sense of place from their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't have the same employer, you don't have that stability. I think men have to drive their sense of place somehow differently. So some kind of ritual from this active form of the the, the co-relation to the mother cycle, that you know, the that, that male co-relation to mother into sage, we're going to have to develop something more consistently the way we have over the years for women because they it needs to be recognized. It's also, and this is another interesting thing, and it's, I think it's a little weird that I even thought it, but you know, when, um, and I've thought before that say someone who had worked in the same place for 30 years, you know, say they work, I don't know, wherever, and they work, you know, with a bunch of guys, you know, and they've been together for 30 years, and they see each other every day, and even if they're not best buds outside of work, these are the people they see every day, more than their family, and then all of a sudden, they don't see them anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that must be more than the work. That must be very difficult. Yeah. For anyone, if you've been in one place a long, long time, 
you know, if you've only been there five years, you retired ten years ago. Yeah. If you've been in some place for forty years or something, and now you're retiring, how bizarre that must be for them. Yeah. Not to see, like, you might not miss some people. Yeah. And you might not miss getting up at six. Yeah. Yeah. That's but right. For a lot of people, when they reach that level of adulthood, is when they realize, oh, the vast majority of my friends now are going to come from work mm-hmm. because there is no other social outlet. There is no school. There is no. Yes, it is. It's very, and if you jump around a lot, you know, every five years or so, you change jobs, tenure, whatever it is now, it would be very, very different. You're not as anchored, I think. Hopefully, they have you have a very stable family, and you're very or friend, yeah, friend, fam, group, fam, family, family, friend, family, friend, yeah. You know, and I did think about that. It's like, man, there are some people there. These are people who've been with every day for you know for thirty years. Mm-hmm. Just so much, you know. They all kind of grew up together. You go in there when you're 20, early yeah. 20s, and you're leaving 30, 40 years later. Very interesting. So the last big rite of passage, we touched upon it very briefly earlier, is death. In paganism, death is much more accepted. It's not quite as terrifying as other. I'd like to do, I, I, in the future, a podcast on pagan ideas about the after. Yes. The next life. But for me... In paganism, I, th- I think the rest of society is starting to move this way a little bit more. Our funerals aren't sad; they're, they're celebrations mm-hmm. of life. They're yes. celebrations of the person. That's the become person. much more popular than the traditional yeah. dirge. Oh my god, the celebration of life! You grew up in PEI. You have to do the, the casket, and then the whole family lines up. And you got shaken all the oh, it's the worst. <laughs> Following <laughs> the coffin, oh my the god, as they roll it. It's oh my god, the old-fashioned funeral. It's, it's so interesting because I think the very first funeral I had ever been to I was had to have been 19 or 20 before I even went to a funeral and it was my grandfather's mm-hmm. who was a person I did not care for right so but did you have to stand in the family no, line I didn't do that no. and I was more upset for the other people who were very upset yeah my other relatives who were very upset but I had a really weird, I have a weird relation, I guess, with death and funerals and things because I missed the two sort of three most important, most important ones in my life because I was still in the hospital. Yeah. So, like, I just had never been to a funeral. And um, I think Rhonda's Moose was the second funeral I went to. Wow. Like, I haven't been to a lot of right. funerals. I maybe because that's not something I've had a lot of experience with I've developed some weird ideas I don't know I just think in the western world we've sanitized death mm-hmm. yeah. far too much we've, we've distanced ourselves from death far too much we really don't want it to touch us personally in any right. way when my mom died and we went to do the official sort of identifying her body at the, I mean it wasn't an accident like yeah. Yeah, the yeah. situation, but still we, we, we had to go to the funeral home. I really would have liked to take part in the preparing her yeah. body and washing her body and being there for that. Right. And of course, that would never have been allowed. No, right. But I think that as a pagan person, yeah, I really I think that would have helped me send her on yeah. to her next journey in her life. Well, the nice thing is, here in 2022, uh, we have green burials now, and you can participate in that, because they don't, you're not required to be embalmed, embalmed anymore. Right. Like, embalming was meant for 
transporting people across the country. It wasn't meant for everybody Every stuck in the ground. Yeah. So the idea, like, I've been to a lot of funerals. I've been to a lot of really bad funerals. Like, bleh. Uh, I think one of the reasons I sort of got on this train of wanting to be a death doula is that both, like, I, I buried both my parents, and both parents' funerals were incredibly Christian, Jesus-centric. I think the pastor said Jesus more than my dad's name. I don't think my dad ever spent step foot in the church. Yeah. yeah. They were not religious individuals um, in any way, and so their funerals didn't reflect who they were at all. And it, this, this is no one's fault. It's just, that's just how PEI is. Well, now, even, even here, I went to a funeral. A friend of mine died. He was 41 of cancer. And it was a terrible tragedy. He had four kids under 11. It was a terrible tragedy. And I went to this church in Dartmouth. It was an enormous church. Yeah. You know, he's a great guy, wonderful guy. And the place was packed. And he was no Christian. But it, and it was just all the stuff that was coming out of their mouth there was it was a Catholic church there was a statue of the Virgin Mary I just stared at it the whole time and I said afterwards to his wife I said what exactly was that she says that was for his mother yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, and that's, that's, yeah, that's what they say and, and is the funeral's for his but, but, but his wife had no say basically in the funeral. Yeah. His mother swooped in and did wow. it when she was vulnerable. In my, so we had a little ceremony later that was meaningful to her. In my will, seen. my funeral is very specified. Everybody who attends will be passed a Hawaiian shirt. You will be given a rum and coke or some sort of beverage <laughs> and as you approach the casket you'll step on a plate and the strings will pull my body up and I'll go eh. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is you can cry you can be sad all you want but no, no. get drunk and have fun well you know what isn't it interesting you say that because I've said forever and ever I want a luau yeah. Toplessness is considered appropriate. Yeah. I want to roast a pig. I want everyone to and then drink a pineapples. After that, I don't care what you do with the yeah. shell of my body. I, I don't want to say anything because I, he was joking. But uh, there's an individual who runs a green cemetery here in Nova Scotia. He's like, yeah, you can just put them in the backseat of the car, pull up, we'll dig a hole, kick him in. You're done. Well, it's, like you don't have to get anyone else involved anymore. It's great. <laughs> I remember when you know when people would start talking about what they want, planning their death and or their with their remains, and you know for a long time I'm like, well, I don't want to be buried because I'm afraid of the dark. Which <laughs> <laughs> is true. I'm just I'm a little lamp. Well, that's I never thought of that. And being cremated, like I just that freaks me out. So at some point in my late 30s, maybe early 40s, I came. across across the idea of that maybe I could be mummified. Yeah. But then I have not yet figured out what to do with me after that. Well, well, because then I, be, because then I become somebody else's problem. But you know so. what? But you're a mermaid burial. I suppose. I suppose. And now that I have a nephew, I hope to like will my skull to him. Not, don't tell him. <laughs> this will be this sort of like a surprise in the mail one day. <laughs> What's my this? Oh, it's your uncle skull. Just, you're stuck with it now. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. And you can send us any questions or comments. You can send it to our Facebook page. And uh, 
give us some thumbs up or stars or whatever it is that we're supposed to get. I'm the terrible one who seldom listens to our book. I think <laughs> on, on Spotify you can give stars. You can give stars or whatever. And uh, certainly we're always happy to hear from anyone if there's any questions or comments or if you had a subject you'd like us to bring up. We're happy to do that. Three Witches and a Druid Podcast would like to take a moment to thank our amazing Patreon supporters. Today, we shout out to Danny, Tania, Sarah, Lore, Kay, Linda, and Jennifer. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Without your generous support and contributions, we couldn't bring you this magical content. And we thank you for listening. So until next time, everyone, merry meet, merry heart, and merry meet again. Blessed Blessed be. This has been Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Thanks for listening. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.